Welcome to the Sabad Radio Show, shining a light on today's innovative leaders in business, technology, and government. Today's show is brought to you by Sabad Business Solutions, where our passion is in the process. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning. Welcome back to Savad Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Ron Davis, the president of Savad Business Solutions. Good morning, Ron. How are you, sir? I'm doing, uh, doing very uh, very good on this uh, Friday morning, Todd. It's uh, going to be a nice weekend here in Atlanta, so uh, I'm happy about it. Long weekend here with Memorial Day, and uh, so it should be, uh, should be good, and I'm looking really looking forward to this morning's uh, podcast here. Yeah, me too, Ron. Uh, this is the kind of organization that is the perfect conversation point for this show, so let's just get to it. Say hello to our guest today. His name is Mark Levinson. He is the executive director of MISBO. Welcome to the show, Mark. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for making some time. Uh, Mark, before we get into a conversation around MISBO, Take a few seconds and tell us a little bit about you and your background. Uh, certainly. So let's see. So I'm the executive director of MISBO, which is a nonprofit association serving independent schools. We'll talk a little bit more about in a little bit. Prior to coming to MISBO, I was a senior director with the National Business Officers Association, which is just about what it sounds like, the National Association serving the business operations for independent schools in the U.S., and I got into that after six years of serving as a business officer at the Alexander Dawson School, which is in Boulder County, Colorado, which is actually where I continue to live, even though I run the association out of Atlanta. I do commute back and forth, so I'm sitting in my home in Colorado this morning, and it's a beautiful day here. Got into independent schools after a variety of different things in my life, including about 20 years in the food service industry, owning and operating um, a series of restaurants and one of the first natural foods grocery stores in the area, which um, many years later became part of the Monster Whole Foods chain so we were a little bit ahead of the curve and doing some pretty cool things so all of that's helped me in all the work that I've done so it's been a, a great transition for me. Outstanding well lucky you for being in Colorado I will in fact be in Denver in less than two weeks so looking forward to that. Misbo. Tell us all about the organization. What do you do? How do you serve your market? Great. Well, MISBO is one of those crazy association acronyms that actually stands for Mid-South Independent School Business Officers, uh, which nobody really knows what that means. So we have just, from a marketing perspective, we call it MISBO. We serve about 310 independent schools in Southeast United States, actually from Maryland through Florida, as far west west is Texas and what our mission is is to help these schools in terms of the business finance operation aspects of the schools and to help them with the sustainability challenges and the other issues that are facing our independent schools and we do that in two primary ways one of them which is how the association began in the 70s with a group of schools in Atlanta is through a, a purchasing consortium where we contract with about 130 different vendors that provide products and services for independent schools and they provide discounts to our members schools 
and then secondly through professional development for our constituents and so that's accomplished through a series of webinars throughout the school year primarily um, at this point we're doing three live programs an annual conference and we're about to do our first new business officer intensive in Atlanta in a couple weeks we just finished a program with our partner association in Florida which was very successful and we're looking at partnering with some other state associations to bring live professional development to our um, members as well so the two aspects of that really are the value that we bring and then resources and such to our schools and we are a nonprofit association we serve nonprofit schools hey mark i've got a, just a quick question for clarification is is there is there a difference between independent and private schools yeah that's a great question that comes up a lot and and you you heard me say independent over and over again and that is there is a differentiation though the lines are not always crystal clear when you read a lot of articles in fact there was just one in the Atlantic Monthly and it was talking about private schools and how enrollment in private schools had dropped off precipitously and such and well private schools are not necessarily independent schools and in fact the private school world includes the vast majority of the faith-based schools and you know your your Catholic and your diocese schools and those and those schools are not actually independent because they are part of a bigger constituent group and they and they do not have independent governing boards which is part of our definition of independence for our schools is that they each school has a separate um, governing board of trustees and so while we have some private schools that are not technically independent in our group the vast majority of our schools are independent schools and so there is a big difference and when you read in the general press it usually talks about private schools um, and our markets a subset of that uh, it's a great question uh, thanks for clarification hey mark uh, how big a challenge is it when you get into a, an educational entity like an independent school and you're making them think about business operations versus educating a child how big a challenge is that to get them to focus on that important element it, it's um it's been very challenging it's it, and it's interesting because schools don't like to think of themselves as businesses which you know but the fact is that they are in the business of education. So there's two there's two challenges. One is the educators, you know, don't believe that they're businesses and don't like to play by the rules, if you will, of businesses. And the other challenge is and the business officers and the business leaders in the schools tend to come from different backgrounds outside of education. And unless they make a commitment to believe and understand the mission of the school and how education works, they tend to be unsuccessful in those environments because because the culture of independent schools is very different from where they've come from. And so part of our role, and mine particularly, is being in this association world. And um, I have the opportunity to speak at conferences all over the world. I've been doing this for the last six years, and I get to get in front of both business officers and heads and trustees and various other uh, leaders in independent schools and, and we talk a lot about the importance of the business officer understanding the culture of the school and working within that framework on one side 
and the other school leaders, the educational leaders, and especially the heads of schools, being receptive to understanding that this is a business that has sustainability challenges that need to be managed appropriately for the schools to continue to exist. And it's one of the reasons that MISBO is partnering with our sister association, SAIS, which is the Southern Association of Independent Schools, which is the accrediting association in our region. And we're partnering on our annual conference so we can get all those school leaders together in the same place. We think that the business people need to understand and learn about education and that the educators need to learn and understand about business. And when they do, it's much more dynamic relationship for leading a school to success. Yeah, you know, Mark, that, that's something that I have seen, um, regardless if it was an independent school or a public school, K-12 school, or even higher education, there's always been that somewhat of that clash between between the academics and the the financial or the business people because there's there's definitely two sets of thinking there and I know that's always a struggle I mean I, I've seen though I've seen schools do a really good job with it I've seen some do a, you know a bad job it's but it's you know it comes down to leadership and constantly as you as you were talking about making each other's side understand really what their goals are and be able to mesh those goals together for the for the best of the school and the best of the kids. It is, you know, Ron. When I started in my school, I knew nothing about uh, independent schools. I knew little about how schools worked. I had a really strong business background, and the only thing I knew about schools was because my wife's a teacher, and so are some of her family. But that didn't really tell me much. And I just real short anecdote when I started within the first month or so we had significant issues and one of them had to do with having three payroll systems going on and so from a business perspective the answer was really easy and I approached the head of school and the senior leadership and says here's what's going on here's what I think has to happen they said fine we implemented it my expectation from my business world is that as the leaders they would have um, communicated that to the faculty and the rest of their um, teams and that wasn't the case and I had a faculty member walk into my office rather upset and somewhat slammed the door and said, do you know what you just did? And I said, no, I have no idea. And uh, he explained it to me and we fixed it because he was right. But it was that epiphany for me to learn. It's like, I need to be really involved with faculty. And it was actually through that person's friendship and guidance that I started helping lead trips with kids, be an advisor, and various other things so that I built the respect of the faculty and when they needed something, instead of me just looking at it from a business perspective, I could look at it from their perspective, and we and it helped tremendously. So it was really valuable. Well, Mark, we talk an awful lot about technology and its role in education and in healthcare and in communications and so on and so forth in this on this show. I'm sure there's an important role that technology plays for associations like MISBO. So talk about that a little bit. What have you been doing? What challenges do you face? Wow. Yeah, lots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, and, and having worked with Ron a little bit. But you know, here's the thing. Most associations like ours, which, again, are nonprofit associations, they tend to grow rather organically without a lot of strategic thinking and um, and and less planning and systems grow and services grow. So when I I arrived at MISBO 
two years ago, and I'm a data person. I love data. And I started asking the staff questions, and there were no answers. And, it, and there were no answers because there were no systems in place. There was no database management system. There was so much being done manually. It was just amazing that they had actually been as successful over the years as they had been. Um, so it was startling to me. So we actually began on a number of fronts, and, and one was the basic one in this day and age. Um, an association like ours must have a robust website where we can drive people to. And so that was the first piece of technology is, hey, we need, we need a website that people can get everything they need. So we did that. We've since done it a second time in the two years, and we're about to do it a third time, which just tells you how fast it's moving and how important it is for our communications. And so the next thing I found was that we didn't, MISBO didn't have a association database management system, which was hampering our ability to communicate with our members. It was hampering our ability to to work with conferences and programs, et cetera. So we went out and implemented a new system so that we could get all of our, our pieces together and allow us to do more things. The other thing that we wanted to do technology-wise associated with our professional development was a webinar series, and that required another um, piece of software on top of that. And then as we dug further and further into it, we I mentioned our purchasing consortium, which 130 vendors, and we were using Access and Excel, except that it was essentially a manual process using some software instead of an automated process. And so we're still working on a couple of those pieces so that when we get reports from our vendors to tell about the volumes and the purchasings from schools, it's an automated process that goes into our system so that we collect the data in a timely manner. And then a program that Ron's companies been just amazing with for us is we work with 35 of our vendors that provide electronic resources to our schools, which is the fastest growing component of what's happening in schools is from the media specialist librarians. And we essentially, we had 190 schools participating, so a very robust program with 35 vendors and 350 products. So at do the math, it was all done manually. <laughs> and we identified that we needed some type of an order entry um, shopping cart system. And because of the complexity of the pricing models, there was nothing, if you will, off the shelf. So we've had um, Ron and his team design an incredibly effective program for us. It's a shopping cart that's actually went live May 1st and is allowing our schools to go and do the ordering and then it will consolidate everything and, and invoice the schools and purchase orders for the vendors. And so the time savings is amazing and there's more pieces of that that will be implemented in the future. So, uh, you know, I look at all these different pieces of technology as um, tools to save the association manual people resources and allow us to do to service our schools better and and that's really the approach is and, and it's the same approach when I work with schools on technology is that the technology is the tools to do the work better and that's how we're doing it with the association and uh, um, and it's a constantly moving target and we're just trying to keep improving. Wondering if technology can help you run your business better? To help you better manage your data? To make more informed, 
more strategic and faster business decisions? Say hello to Savad Business Solutions. We don't rest until we identify and put into place customized solutions to remove the bottlenecks from your organization, making you better, faster, and more effective. Learn more at SavanSolutions.com. That's S-I-V-A-D Solutions.com. Mark, like you, I am definitely a data guy. You know, a couple of things. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about, um, about data that, you know, you just never know. You, you, you think that, that certain people have access to a lot of data, but it's not always the case. And it's the thing that I said is that our lives are built around the decisions that we make. And, you know, the, in order to make the, the best decisions is that you have to be informed and you have to be informed with knowledge and knowledge in a lot of cases in, in, in the case of MISBO or, or any of the schools or, or just about any kind of companies you've got to have two things you got to have data to know where you're at right now to know whether you actually are going to get or something that the, the baseline to know that if you're going to get better or not and then that data to be able to make decisions and be able, look, be able to look at data not just a, a snapshot and you know for one day but let me look at that data over a period of time so I can see trends mm-hmm. I can see where where things are good where things are bad and so you know for for us for our company that's one thing that we we certainly have strived to, to do is provide not only systems to help kind of cut that time out of the process but at the same time be able to try provide data so that the, the appropriate people can to be able to analyze that and make the appropriate decisions that's right. When I talk to trustees and heads especially and I talk about data-driven decision-making and do they understand the trends, whether it's in enrollment management or tuition or the various pieces of the pie for the schools to be able to then predict and make good decisions. And, and that's the same thing I think with, that we're all trying to do. So we also implemented um, for the association last year a benchmarking survey and a benchmarking tool for our schools and collected data from over 200 of our schools that now is available for them online and they can slice and dice it any way they want and and the real value will become in the next two to three years once we've collected the longitudinal data for them to be able to look at those trends and then predict going forward and so that's another tool that we've implemented and developed over the last uh, actually it went live last year so you can see we've been we've been very busy <laughs> in terms of technology with the association over the last 18 months and and will continue to be yeah I've got a follow-up question to that too is that you know one of the challenges you have with technology is that people tend to resist change and so it has it has it been much of a challenge or are in, in getting the all the your uh, membership independent your independent school membership to accept a lot of these changes with, with the technology that you've been implementing? I, I, another good question. There's two components actually. Some of it's transparent. So the association database piece from the member perspective, they don't even know. I mean, they do and they don't. It's not a big deal. The ones that are more challenging, for example, is the benchmarking tool I told you about. They had done a similar type data collection, but they used just an Excel worksheet that was um, 
done by one of the members, and there's a lot of challenges with that. So um, we were actually really pleased to be able to roll that out the first year and have more schools participate than ever before. Um, now, it wasn't 100%, wasn't perfect, but we were going to work on that for this year. So that one was accepted really well, and we think that's the case because that's a common tool that's used in the industry and there was you know there was easy acceptance of that the current one that we're using this this shopping cart method a uh, little bit more resistance and i think part of that has to do with the specific uh, constituent group within the schools that are doing it which even though they use technology all the time, it's primarily done by the curricular people and the librarians and the media specialists, and they're not necessarily as open to change, although they should be. <laughs> and so we've struggled a bit with getting them all up to speed. I think the second year will prove incredibly successful, and the first year we're, uh, we're doing a lot of training and getting them, getting them going. So you know, those two components um, have very different views. Things like webinars, our webinar series, you know, which is people just jump right on because they, it, they know what that is and they're accustomed to learning that way and it's not a big deal. So it just depends on who it is and what they're doing. We're as a, on our board, we have two technology directors from two of our schools. And in fact, I was talking with them this morning. We're creating a technology advisory council as a, as a board task force to help us look at what we can do better in terms of both professional development and resources and vendor relationships for our technology folks at our schools because it's just such a fast and growing component of what's happening in our schools. Mark, a follow-up to the follow-up. We talked at the top of the show about the conflict. And I don't like using the word conflict. The gap between the business side of educating and educating kids. Have you seen or do you anticipate that technology will help bridge that gap a bit? No, I don't think so. I think that the, the, the challenge there is that if you go back in the history of our schools, and, uh, and I'll date myself, but you know, schools didn't have technology and then computers came along and schools thought well we can buy some computers and we'll have technology in our schools and and so there was a line item on the budget and then maybe there wasn't for three or four or five years till they realized that they were behind and so there was this conflict if you will between the business side saying well when are you going to stop spending money on technology <laughs> and the reality was that not only weren't we going to stop spending, but we were going to continue to spend more on technology. And I think it's only recently in the last few years that a couple things have happened. One is that the business folks have realized that this is a fact of life now going forward and it can't just be uh, you know, a one-off thing. So that's good. And, and I think we're there. Um, secondly, actually, I think that we're now seeing a tipping point where we can actually demonstrate a return on investment on some technology expenses where we can start um, seeing some improvements you know as an industry where we you can use we can see improvements in productivity measuring productivity in schools is very difficult um, but technology now the price has gone down enough the understanding's gone up enough we're using it in different ways and so for example if you're using technology to do some online learning in your schools, which is a very common, the hybrid online learning method, 
there can actually be some real cost savings there because schools may not need a very specialized teacher, say, and you know, no offense to anybody that's a French person, but AP French is the average class size is three. Well, you know, can our schools really afford to have an AP French teacher or can we collaborate with other schools and do either virtual synchronous or asynchronous learning where we combine resources and actually save money and the technology now allows us to do that at a very high quality level of instruction. So that's just one example of where we're looking at technology now actually providing benefits financially for our schools. So I think that will help alleviate the tensions that have existed there in the past. So, so Mark, uh, just great discussion and uh, we're kind of coming to a close to the podcast, but I have one question that we, we tend to ask everybody who's on is that we talked about where independent schools in MISBO was, we talked about where it is now, and would just like to get some of your thoughts in regards to what do you believe is the future in both, like kind of break it down, the, the future of independent schools, the future of tech, how technology plays in there, and then, you know, how, what, what you see MISBO growing to. Okay, a lot, a, a big question there. Let's, let's talk about independent schools and the future of the schools and, and what role technology has because this has been a passion of mine for years and I've been trying to help schools with this question and there's been you know this whole idea of 21st century education and what this means and where our schools need to go is an interesting dilemma because we're now almost 14 years into the 21st century and we haven't figured that out <laughs> and and there's a lot of written work about this and different people and different ideas and and one of the ones I'm actually finishing reading right now is Tony Wagner's new book Creating Innovators and Tony Wagner has been one of the leaders in this industry he wrote the global achievement gap and talked about what how our schools needed to adapt to a changing world and I think he's right on target here is that you know, it's a whole. It is a whole different world. I mean, there's the whole global picture, which connects us to the rest of the world. Which again, technology is instrumental in allowing us to do science projects with kids in schools in the U.S. and Africa at the same time, and um, that's amazing. Of course, we're on a Skype call now, and I work with international associations of schools, and we do meetings using this technology, and some, and we're right next to each other. So there's those components of it that are critical, but our schools need to really, our schools are still mired in a in a late 19th century model of education where you have a teacher in the front of the room conveying information and in in my opinion we don't need to do that anymore and that's a very old methodology that we need to change information's readily available and the internet and technology makes that information available at our fingertips anytime anywhere any moment and we need to take advantage of that technology in our learning environments uh, in our schools. Um, there's a book that came out several years ago called Disrupting Class by Clayton Christensen and Michael Horn um, and I know Michael pretty well and Michael drilled into my head the idea that we should never talk about classrooms we need to talk about learning environments because if I if I talk, if I say the word classroom I ask you to close your eyes and I say classroom 
each and every one of us has a picture of rows and columns of kids and desks and teacher in the front of the room. And that's not a 21st century learning model. So we need to get that out of our heads and talk about a different idea of learning environment that involves a ton of technology um, and, and our ability to access information at our fingertips. And so I think they're very well connected. And that's, that's what's going to create innovators that Tony Wagner's talking about, is the creativity that goes with this. We've been, we've been way too focused in our schools on the left brain analytical thinking for many, many, many years. And, and we're now just beginning to start converting to um, right brain creativity thinking that will allow our kids to succeed in this global world. So it's kind of a long answer, but they're all the pieces of it are, are integrated together and in, in our schools succeeding into the future. And it's all about the kids. Everything that we do is about the success of our kids being able to live in a global environment. As an association that supports independent schools, our role is to help them is to do whatever we can to inform, provide knowledge, the professional development, et cetera. Um, I look at my role as a, a leader of an association of independent schools as somebody that can be influential in that. And that's where my opportunity at speaking and such is really helpful. And quite frankly, by in my role, I need to keep up on these things. I need to know who the thought leaders are and what they're doing. And so I spend a lot of my time looking at what's out there and looking at what the trends may be and then helping our school leaders to implement those for their schools. So it's, it's a great place for me to be. I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, and again, end result, what can we do for our kids? And that's what we're all about. All right. Well, we're out of we're out of time, Mark. Uh, Bron, I think we're going to have to have Mark back, and let's devote a full episode to the future of education and technology and where that's all going. It's it's too important a, a conversation to to give it one question. So, Mark, I hope you'll come back and join us. I'd love to. Thank you. All right. So, before we let you go, Mark, how can people get in touch with you, and where can they learn more? You know, the easiest place to learn more about MISBO is at our website you know misbo.com and um, everything's there and all of my contact information's there links to you know I use Twitter I use we have a new blog misbo blogs just was just announced yesterday um, we're just trying to get um, our information out in as many different places as possible but it's all centered on www.misbo.com Mark Levinson the executive director of Misbo it was great to have you thanks so much for stopping by and joining us okay thank you both alright well that wraps this episode on behalf of our guest Mark Levinson my co-host Ron Davis I'm Todd Schnick we'll see you next time on Savad Radio mm -hmm.